0: Welcome to OKSIS. OK we are two cultural observers and curious minds who happen to be related. I'm Scout. And I'm Maddie. Get ready for some serious sororal energy as
1: we chat about and comment on one another's current fixation of the week. Ready, ready sisters?
0: sisters? Hello, my name is Madeline Rose Mayo. And my name is Scout Sophia Sobel,
1: and we are the sisters behind the OKSIS OK podcast. That is right, sister. That is the name of our podcast. Good Lord. How are you,
0: Mads? You know, I'm doing quite fabulously. I'm a I'm a tad bit hungover, um, but you know what? what? We're pulling you, through. What did you do last night? Went to a friend's rooftop for a small, socially distant get-together. There were margaritas. There were mezcal shots. Not sure you're supposed to take a shot of mezcal. But it happened. And you know what? Ben was my DD and I was just going to I was really taking advantage of that of that situation. I mean, that
1: situation doesn't really happen too much this year. So I understand fully the exactly. need to take advantage.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I, I went full out and um, it was grand. It was a grand old time. And uh, now it's a Sunday. I don't I don't miss this feeling. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, every time you get hungover now in like your like late twenties, you're kind of like, I don't think this is right. I don't think this is this should be my look at this stage in my life.
0: Like the fact that I used to be hungover more days than I was drunk, like in college. I just, how did I function? How did we do homework? Like I, I don't even understand our brain cells and functionality. It just wasn't operating at full capacity.
1: That is for sure. Yeah, well, um, you know, blessings for your hungover situation. I Thank hope you, you recover soon.
0: Thank you. I'm going to watch it's complicated. I was really inspired by your raving review of it last week. So, um, uh, and again, I am I am due for my monthly viewing. So, I will be watching it.
1: Adam was really mad at you because he DM'd you or he DM'd at Okay's podcast. And um, never received an answer, so he's a little bit hurt about that right now. I don't even remember that. I look at all of our DMs. He texted us in a group chat, and no one got back to him. Well, he said, thanks for chat. responding
0: to the DM. I didn't realize that that was sarcastic. I thought, like, I had responded. So I was like, oh, you're welcome. No, that oh, was that sarcastic. was sarcasm. Oh, yes. oh, 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 yes. oh okay, 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 got it, got it, got it. Um, You know what, Adam? You listening to this right now? <laughs> Let's not, yes, yes. Let's not send sarcastic texts because tone cannot be <laughs> expressed over a text message, okay? So let's okay. uh let's put a voice note when we want to be sarcastic next time. Oh, Thank you. Yeah.
1: Voice notes are your new thing. Um he will receive this message loud and clear because he does listen to every single one of our episodes. And I'm sure that he will have multiple comments about this conversation once again. Great. Love it. Bring on the commentary. <laughs> yeah. So. I moved sisters. I moved yesterday. Yeah, I'm so excited. It was, I actually got pretty emotional leaving my apartment, Uh, the apartment that my husband and I, Adam, shared. We had lived in for almost three years, which is the longest place I've ever lived in besides my childhood home. And I have lived with Adam since I was 22. So we have seen, this is our fifth home And it was just interesting to look through the progression. Each apartment has gotten better. It's been an upgrade. It's been an up-level, you know. um, And the apartment that we were in when we moved in, we thought we were the luckiest kids in the world to live in such a beautiful apartment. And so there was a lot of memories there, and it actually really felt like our home. And so I got kind of anxious towards the end of leaving the old apartment. And so I drove over to the house where we live now, And I just had this really, really, really intense releasing cry. And once I was done, I was so grateful because I think that in the past when something had made me anxious or emotional or anything other than happy and excited or overwhelmed, you know, moving is very overwhelming, I would just sit in this complete suffering zone. But I was able to say, no, like I've been waiting for this day for a month to move to this house. But I have to say goodbye to an old way of life. And so I gave myself that moment to really grieve my past life, to say hello to my new life, and then really was able to take in the gratitude. So even small moments like that, just moving, which you think is just a normal thing, there's actually
0: a lot of emotions
1: to process. And oh, so I was.
0: Absolutely. And just, yeah. I mean, change in general, no matter if it's up leveling, no matter if it's going into a better space, it's still this shift that you both either a shift in environment and a a moving on of a past life yeah it is it is strange like even when yeah. you move somewhere and you're excited to go to the new place like it is a grieving process and it's okay to kind of feel a little you know unrocky unstable for the first couple of weeks because change is is how it how we grow
1: yeah. And so exactly. And though I was just so proud because I honored that process right when it was happening so that I could move through those emotions. And when I got to the house, um, this house is actually my stepmom's house that I'm renting out. Um, there were flowers from her. And then I went to go look in the fridge and dad stocked the fridge. So that was really sweet. Of course he did. And um, so yeah, Adam and I now live in a house with like a huge backyard, a huge kitchen um, it's pretty wild. There's a room here for Mads when she, her and Ben want to come down. And so um, the move went really, really smoothly, super well. My feet fucking hurt. I'm exhausted. I want to sleep for like 15 hours. But we are basking in that home life. And I finally, I think this year was really a transition for me into
0: s- actual adulthood. And this is kind of the symbol that ties it all together. Wow. I am so happy. Mazel, mazel tov to the couple you're in a home (laughs) i was gonna say the the new like the newlywed couple but that's (laughs) three years
1: we're coming up on our three-year wedding anniversary how wild wild is that so
0: wild oh i miss your wedding it was wow so charming
1: yeah so anyways um through all of this through all the moving and everything i received a text message from mads who had a little bit of an ordeal at the Lalabo store this week and I thought that our sisters really, really after hearing my moving emotional and up-leveling story, really need to hear the situation that I'm calling Lalabo Gate. Mads, take it away.
0: First of all, I have deemed it Lalabo Gate. And <laughs> this is I, when I recount this story, I don't really, I think people are going to be like, you're making a bigger deal out of this than it is, but I don't think I've ever felt more mortified or embarrassed in a single moment than, as far as I can remember. Okay. So this is what happened. I actually haven't said this on the podcast, but I purchased two new um, notebooks, essentially. People have probably seen these all over Instagram. It's the five minute journal and the productivity count, uh, productivity planner from intelligent change. And I first saw it on Diana Cohen's Instagram and like, you know, we are always trying to copy everything, every single thing Diana does cause she is queen. And so I was like, okay, amen. if this is what Diana does, I have to implement this into my routine. And in the beginning of each of the books, it says, you have to do. You have to write in this book and follow the instructions for five full days, and then like, what? What will you reward yourself if you finish those five days? And then like, how will not how will you punish yourself? But like, what will you do? And so I said, if I don't finish, I'd have to publicly shame myself on the on my podcast, um, which you're
1: doing regardless. I'm doing
0: regardless. <laughs> but I did finish it for five days and have continued since then. It's it's a really great um, practice, and. My treat to myself was to get a nice candle. And so, you know, I also am completely influenced by Laura Elizabeth. We all are. Who isn't? And she had recently gotten a Lolabo candle. And she said that it's really cute. You can customize it. And because it says four. And she put like for mood or for like cozy vibes. You know, she was doing like a, it wasn't her name. She was like giving a little personality to the candle.
1: I have one. Someone gave one to me for my engagement, and it says Sobel 2018.
0: Beautiful. That is what it should say. That is what, mm-hmm. that is the correct, the correct yes. thing yes. to put on it. Yes. Okay. Keep so- going, Mads. I go to La at the Grove, you know, it's like the first outing and everyone's wearing masks at the Grove and it's, you know, it's just such an exciting time and it's like, I am going to buy myself this bougie-ass candle and really just treat myself. So I go in, I say, hello, I am here to buy a sandalwood candle and the guy's like, of course, great, we have that. (laughs) <laughs> and he he gives me the of course
1: the, great <laughs> we have that i mean it's la
0: Lava, we have sandalwood we're basically all of our fucking the- candles are sandalwood so so he said he gives me the scent and i'm like oh this is santal this is like the basic bitch one right and he was just like yeah like this is you know the one everyone likes i was like okay okay let's let's do it I, i'm in like no turning back i'm getting the candle and he says, oh, so like you can customize it. What do you want it to say? And I was like, I was just, you know, really flustered. And um <laughs> and and like, I like
1: how you didn't, you didn't come prepared because you knew this was a part of the Lolabo process. I
0: completely forgot. I I'm sorry. Okay. Like Lord Elizabeth did influence me, but I forgot about this part. Like this was a really integral part. And I completely forgot. And so I'm sit. I'm standing there, and I'm really under pressure. The guy's waiting for me to say, but he doesn't. He. It would have been different if he said, "Who is this for?" Or like, "Who do? You, like, who is it?" You know. Then I would have said, "Mads." I think that would have been very cute. But I thought it'd be cuter
1: if you wrote, "Okay, sis."
0: Okay, sis. Whatever. What, anything else would have been better. Would what I put. Okay. And so. I was thinking, I'm like, oh, like, I should say something, like, really, you know, like, profound and, like, it should be something spiritual about my life. And I was like, okay, like, maybe stillness or, like, be calm or, like, whatever. And I said to him, I would like to put on the candle. (laughs) Be easy. (laughs) Now, you're probably thinking... (laughs) Maddie, what does what that the mean fuck does that mean what does be easy also in my head it seemed a little nicer because it was like ease i was like oh so like when i when i when i burn the candle there will be a sense of ease so you will be easy and when i said it out loud the guy, it sounded like g easy first of all and he was so confused the guy was like be easy i was like yeah and then it was like too late to take him back. <laughs> So I was like, B E space E A S Y. Be easy. And it also like, that also implies that I'm like, you know, a slut. A slut. Like, I'm being easy with this candle. I don't know what, I don't, it was a disaster. It was a lot of okay, you know It what? was a disaster. So he puts it, he prints it, and then it says, for be easy. And I'm like, oh my God. Like, it, I needed it to either be a noun or a person. It cannot be a verb that you put on a Lilabo candle. Oh my God. You know what?
1: He should have really walked you through the process a little he bit sh- more. He should have been supportive. He should have understood that this was your first time with a Lilabo experience. And he should have really guided you in the right direction. And as a candle, Salesman I'm of Lalalo, he f- yeah, as a as a <laughs> customizable candle connoisseur, he should have led you through that experience, and it is his fault.
0: Honestly, um, my heart goes out to this man. Um, he really did his best. I think um, if you're listening to this man who works at the Lalalo at the Grove, um, is there a way I can get a new label? <laughs> <laughs> it's like wait the have most
1: you embarrassing th- thing. you were texting me and you're like can I get a refund? I'm like, no, you can't get a refund and two have know. you lit
0: the candle yet? Of course I did. Is it amazing? It's amazing. It smells like a fucking uh like when you go to a meditation retreat and they're like burning some sort of incense it, it feels it feels like luxury like hippie luxury. Oh, I know that kind of luxury. You know what I, I mean. I know that kind of luxury. You know what I mean. Yeah. Anyway, it's it's divine. It truly is. But um, now I think I'm just gonna embrace it. I think now every LaLabo candle I purchase in the future needs to say "be easy." It is makes absolutely you know, no sense. Also, I was at I was getting a coffee the other day from this uh, coffee shop near my apartment near Wow, near my apartment called Neighborhood. Great coffee shop on La Brea. I highly recommend. And when I was leaving, the guy said, "Hey, be easy." So oh. maybe this was, and now you said it too. You said the world is telling you to be easy. It
1: is. I didn't say. I didn't say the world. I said the universe. Oh, it's- the
0: universe. Uh, I think. I, me.
1: I think that maybe you need to just be easy in the sense that you just need to take it down a notch.
0: Take it easy. It should have been. You know what? I should have put it. Take it easy, not be like, what is that? Okay, okay, it should have so, said
1: shut the fuck up with the volume levels. Right. I think that would have been more appropriate right. and better for your boyfriend.
0: Okay, so next time we go to La Labo, we're gonna say for sh- shutting the fuck shutting
1: down, the fuck, uh, for, for, for the, for Ben's ears,
0: for Ben's ears, perfect, yes, for Ben's Okay, yes. you know what? I actually like w- looked into getting white out. and- <laughs> Like, no. I'm if like you I'm little... sorry.
1: I'm sorry. Okay, I'm going to stop you right there. If you put white out on your Lilabo candle, we're done. This is not This is This is just You're just going to go with the be easy and um that's it. Okay, we are good. We have heard the Lilabo gate. Thank you for that Oscar Please performance. Send me of- all
0: your prayers. Just send yes, all the prayers. Is listening who works at Lalabo and would like to send okay. me a new label?
1: Nobody. No, okay, your PSAs to the man who works at Lilabo are not working. Thank you for sharing, and I expect a Lilabo housewarming gift. Thank you. Oh, fuck no. <laughs> no. no. That was a real. Am, okay. I'm
0: never walking into that Lalabo store at the Grove ever again.
1: Okay, well you can order it online. This you know is I can true. send you my address, and you can write something really endearing, this like is true. four Scouts up level.
0: You know I think there's only like ten characters that you could put. <laughs> <So> <laughs> like, that's okay. also the thing. He was like, he was like, it could only be X of characters. So like, am I supposed to like think in characters Oh my god, it was a whole process. It was a whole thing. Anyways, um, all right, let's move forward. Yes, let us move
1: forward from that Lolabo gate, which was a pretty drawn out story there, it but appreciate appreciate your honesty.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Um, okay. So one of our sisters DM'd us on Instagram highlighting a really great organization that we would like to mention on today's podcast. It is called I Support the Girls, and it is an organization that collects and distributes essential items, including bras, underwear, and menstrual hygiene products to women experiencing homelessness, impoverishment, or domestic violence. And as they have Long supported victims of domestic violence. I support the girls has taken notice that the most dangerous place for a woman to be during COVID-19 is their home with October being domestic violence awareness month. I support the girls has created a dash, which stands for dignity, aid safety and hygiene kit for those experiencing domestic violence to provide them with mental hygiene products. In addition to resources and or services to escape their abusive situation. As most women leave their abusive homes with nothing but the clothes on their backs not only will this kit help replenish what is left behind but it is also it will also be put together with the goal of making the woman feel cared for so if you want to learn more about this organization uh, really incredible work and also uh very timely with domestic violence awareness month being this month you can go to isupportthegirls.org and to learn more thanks sisters i love that
1: yeah, I love that. And if anybody is interested, make a donation. I think I'm going to go make a donation after this. That's a really, really important thing. Because I remember when COVID hit, you know, so many people were so happy to be at home. But then there was that resurgence of, well, what if home is not a safe space yeah. for you? So yeah. that's that's a really, really important, important um, mission that they stand for. And uh, definitely OKCIS approved that we can get behind. Yep. Okay, sisters, so if you are listening to this podcast, there are a few things you can do. Or I should say, if you like this podcast, there are a few things you can do. Um, first, subscribe, rate, review, woohoo. We love reading your reviews. We mention them on our Instagram, at OKSISPodcast. And if you want to be a part of the sisterhood, even more, you can go to our secret Facebook group, OK Sisters. Um, and we also send out a really cute, beautiful um, newsletter every single Monday. Um, you can sign up at com, or all of these are at the link in the show notes. And if you like an episode and think a friend could benefit, shoot them a text, share the link. You know what to do. Okay. Anyways, moving on. Moving on. I don't know why that, you know, sometimes just accents come out of me. Have you noticed yeah. that?
0: Yeah, yes, I've noticed that. We've also <laughs> um, very much uh, noted it on the pod. You have these, like, random personas, and we can't really grasp at what type of uh, accent's going on there. I'm, I'm pretty
1: much Moira. I'm the original Moira. You are
0: not. Okay, um, do not flatter yourself.
1: I mean, I'm just saying my accents are strange and so are hers. So today's episode, we had the beautiful Maho Melfino on and she just wrote a new book called Break the Good Girl Myths. And we had a really, really, I mean, this is probably one of my favorite conversations. We went really, really deep. It was kind of like a therapy session. Maho super held space for us, which we really appreciated. And we talk about most specifically the myth of perfection, which you guys will hear about the other myths that she outlines in her book. Um, We talk about our childhood and the way we felt as children. We talk about some of the trauma that we've experienced, as well as the things that we're working on. So um, I get pretty vulnerable in this and share a story that I never thought I would share in the podcast. So look out for that one. Um but yeah, Maho is such a treat and and I think Mads also had a few breakthroughs in this episode as well.
0: Yeah, she has such a soothing spirit and it you want to open up to her. She has such a welcoming um demeanor and this book really teaches you how to unleash your power and design a more purposeful life and um you really examine those five self-sabotaging tendencies that she outlines, and that we mentioned in this episode. And we highly recommend that you purchase the book because we are bibliophiles over here, as everyone knows. And this is so up all of our alleys. And you know, if you lo- if you love books like Untamed, and what's the Elizabeth Gilbert one you love? Uh, Big Magic. Yes, that one. Then you'll you'll love this this book. It's yeah, very empowering.
1: So- If you listen to this episode and you want to buy the book, which, as Mad said, highly recommend, super, super insightful read. Um, We've also linked it in the show notes here for you to just purchase on Amazon like that. So enjoy this episode. Enjoy Maho. She is a beautiful light on this earth and we love you. Love you. Promo code OKSIS15, O-K-A-Y-S-I-S-1-5.
0: Go ahead and treat yourself. From luxurious skincare to meaningful self-care, you deserve it.
1: Maho Malfino is a Latinx author, designer, and women's leadership expert. She is the author of Break the Good Girl Myth with Harper One and host of the Heroine podcast featuring top female leaders, creatives, and visionaries. Her leadership program, Ignite, guides women to design and share creative dream with the world. She has a master's in learning design and technology from Stanford University and a bachelor's degree in psychology with a minor in cultural studies from McGill University. Her work can be found at MahoMalfino.com. Without Further ado, Maho. (laughs) Hi, Scout.
2: Good to be here.
0: Welcome. This is so exciting. I mean, your presence (laughs) is so soothing to me. I feel like I have been transported into like the womb, and I am just being coddled. And I have been inside your brain for the past you know week or so reading your book. So I'm so excited to put a face to the mm. incredible words.
2: Thank you so much, Maddie. I appreciate that.
1: <laughs> yeah, and a little backstory. I was working with Maho. She was a client of mine, and we booked a bunch of A-star amazing guests on her podcast, Heroin. So that's how we became introduced to one another, and I'm so excited that we kind of get to be in this dynamic where you get to hear me a little bit off the cuff, and who knows what'll come out of my mouth, but I'm excited for it. Um, okay, should we do current fixations? Of course. I mean, we have to. Okay, so uh, my current fixation is the song What's Up by Four Non Blondes, which hmm. you probably don't know what that is, but if I sang it, you would. It's the one that goes, I take a deep breath and I get real high. I said, Hey. What's going on? And I said, Yeah, okay, I am yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Zoom is like the worst for trying to do a sing along, so I apologize to <laughs> yeah. listeners.
1: I am listening it to. I'm listening to it in my shower while I'm cooking. I don't know why. It's just like a really moving song that gets you really passionate about nothing in particular, just the moment, I suppose. Um, I've probably listened to it 50 times in the last week. Like it's, it's a little ridiculous. I don't know what it is about the song that gets me going, but I'm so happy. I rediscovered it on the radio, Apple music, nineties pop playlist. (laughs) Um, so I've been jamming out to that. It's, Oh, it's a vibe. It's a total vibe. So that's my current
0: fixation. Mm. Wow. That's a current fixation. If I've ever heard one, if you've been listening to it 50 times in the past week. Yeah. And they said, it's,
1: Maho, you would love it because they say, I pray to God. I pray every day for revolution. And it's just talking about the institution and like going in bed and crying and trying to figure out your emotions.
2: <laughs> it's just great. That's great. It's just That's great. awesome. I love how current uh, current fixations don't have to be like current. They can be like oldies. Okay. Making oh, me yeah. throwbacks. Okay, cool.
0: Which there yes. usually are for Scout because she like knows nothing about <laughs> pop culture, even though we speak about pop culture all the time on this podcast. And it's usually me having to explain things to her. But yeah, no, a current fixation is just something currently that you have been fixated on.
2: Awesome. Okay. Yeah. So
0: my current fixation, everyone knows that I spend way too much time on this app called TikTok. And so I want to do a highlight of a specific TikToker that I am just so I'm I'm so excited for her because I've been watching her from the beginning and now she's kind of blowing up and she's getting all these deals and I'm like girl yes her name is it's me tinks at it's me tinks she's really funny she does these like parodies of things around Los Angeles and kind of commentary on like the basic bitches and like the girls who go to air one and like you know know, having you like me yeah and she has like you know Shabbat dinner on a rooftop and drinking margaritas and I'm like girl you are like making fun of me but also can we be friends you know like it's that kind of vibe and she just got a deal with like overheard la so she's been doing things on their plat on their um uh profile and i just tiktok has been it's illuminating so many great content creators it has brought out so many different types of content that I just have never seen on other platforms it's Mm -hmm. it it really can only exist on TikTok and I'm so happy for this one girl and she's just hilarious and I am I'm here for the journey and I am ready I'm listening to I'm watching every single one and it's just she's
2: great everyone should go follow her I love it there's so So much creativity on TikTok it's ridiculous
0: ridiculous like I was thinking about reels and I was like I just, I can't put what I put on TikTok on Reels. Like, it's just not the same environment. Like, it's just gonna be so, such a different realm of content that just exists on TikTok. And something I love about it is, there's so many inside jokes that everyone mm-hmm. on TikTok is aware of, and it's like, how does everyone <laughs> know these inside jokes? We're all kind of in the same community and like in the same know about things, and I can't, I can't say that for Instagram. Like
1: that doesn't well, feel they like they just we're started. All they just started. Like when they did I IG know. stories for Snapchat, everyone was like, eh, the filters aren't as good, and now you know the only people that use everyone, Snapchat yeah. are 18 year olds. So. <laughs> And they're usually nudes, so. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
2: Okay, Maha, what's your current fixation? My current fixation, well, I'm really into clean beauty. Mm. And mm-hmm. so I brought, I have it here, obviously listeners can't see, but my RMS Lip Shine Bloom. And what I love about this, this lip shine is that you can put it anywhere on your face. Like, I put it on my cheeks, I put it on my eyelids, like, lips, like it's just so versatile. And for someone like me, who's like kind of a minimalist when it comes to makeup, and I'm definitely a minimalist. I'm just like, this is like one, I need this and like concealer and that's it. And I'm good to go, you know, and some mascara. Oh,
0: I love that. I mean, Scout and I don't wear makeup. Like we don't know how to do it. So anything that is a multi-use product, Mm -hmm. I am, I'm here for.
2: So yeah. Wait, does it, it
1: make your like? Does it is it like? Does it have a, a shade to it so it brings out a little yeah.
2: color? Yeah. It brings out a little color. Can mm, you see it there? So it's like yeah. a bloom, like a kind of rosy pink color. But it's good on the lip and the cheek. And Ooh. you just put it on with your finger, so you don't need a tool, which is which is great. You know, yes. you yes. don't have time for a freaking tool.
0: It's like <laughs> finger. It's like finger pan- painting. I don't like when you have to buy
1: something and then you have to buy something else to support the thing you bought.
2: Exactly right. Not needed with this.
1: When I buy a dress and they're like, yeah, you're going to need a very specific undergarment. I'm like, well, I don't own that undergarment, so I'm not buying this dress because that's Mm -hmm. just ridiculous.
0: Yeah. We don't need supplementary uh, (laughs) products. Okay. Give it to us all. Okay. So
1: I'm so excited because you just released your book, which I have right here on my coffee table, Break the Good Girl Myth, which was amazing. And you. <laughs> I took so many notes. I actually read it on my iPad, so I purchased it twice for good measure. But I want to talk a little bit. Can you, in your own words, describe the book? Because we're going to dissect and have a really intentional conversation around one aspect, which is the myth of perfectionism. But in your own words, can you describe this book, the impetus and and kind of the main message?
2: Sure. So. I wrote the book because I noticed in working with a lot of women that they wanted to be badasses, they wanted to share their gifts, but they continued to be stuck. And this was really painful for me to watch because, you know, I really believe so many women have incredible contributions they can offer the world, and the world really desperately needs our perspectives. So I started thinking, okay, how can I support in unblocking my clients? Um, And what I realized was many were experiencing the same blind spots again and again. And and what was funny was so much of it was under the surface, these subconscious, kind of sneaky tendencies that they picked up in girlhood but that followed them into adulthood and that that these tendencies were affecting their leadership today. And so the book is really dissecting what I call the five good girl myths, going really into depth with each good girl myth, And giving you tools, frameworks, processes, access to meditations to like decondition and unlearn these tendencies that are so ingrained in us that have been picked up from our family, from school, religion, from the patriarchy at large. So that's really the book in a nutshell.
1: I love it. And I just want to so the listeners know all of the five good girl myths. It's the myth of rules the myth of perfection, the myth of logic, the myth of harmony, and the myth of sacrifice. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: So before we jump into the myth of perfection, which I think was, I mean, was my primary myth that I hold and manifest in my life, I do want to speak about the patriarchy. And you have, I mean, it's right, right out the gate, the first chapter is really about Establishing what the patriarchy is and understanding that it's inside of us. And mm-hmm. I thought that was really interesting because I for sure have thought in my life, oh, it, this is something that doesn't that doesn't happen within me. It's something that's external that is projected onto me, but it's not actually within me. Whereas that's not the case. We also have been conditioned to to believe that men are superior, the superior gender. And it's something that is internal because we hold gender bias and prejudice. And I think when I really realized that type of structure is following George Floyd Mm -hmm. and understanding racial structures and really embedded racial um, hierarchy in our world and that Even black people are racist and hold racist uh, uh, beliefs because they have been conditioned to believe, you know. So I think that was when I was reading that, I was thinking, wow, this this kind of parallels to that learning that I that I had earlier this year after George Floyd. And it is true. It is true that we hold all of these biases within us and it's our job to unlearn them and to decondition them.
2: Yeah, that's exactly right, Maddie. You know, I think we're in an interesting moment with the reckoning around race where so many, or I should say a segment of us are waking up to the fact that, oh my God, this thing white supremacy is inside of me. It's not just this thing that exists out there. Even though I'm a liberal progressive millennial woman who goes to air one, (laughs) like it turns out this thing is inside of me, right? Mm -hmm. Um, In the same way I argue in the book, yeah, this thing called patriarchy, which privileges men in visible and invisible ways over women and other genders. That system, that social cultural system that's been around for thousands of years, that's a global phenomenon, is is within us, not only that, it's been passed down through ancestors and multi-generations of women and men. And like I think it's it's good to note that this thing is is um is a system and not a group of people because when we start to realize that it's culture, we we get to see that anyone can spread culture. Even women, you know, spread uh, the patriarchy and patriarchal ideas and uh, traditional kind of archaic gender norms and expectations to other women. You know, when you think about how it gets passed on from grandmother to mother to daughter, so it's it's not about blaming a group of men over there and saying it's this thing out there it's no it's really a culture that's everywhere and that which includes inside of us 100
1: which also i was kind of reflecting on this because i i've been trying to think about the way our mother raised us and our mother is so so i think unique as a mother she's like super sex positive and very open and there's really nothing we can't tell her and she wants us to like every time I would do something good in or do something that was either an external achievement or I cleaned my room or whatever it was, you know, instead of saying, I'm so proud of you, she would say, are you so proud of yourself? Because she wanted me to like cultivate that inner pride versus that external pride. Or she wanted me to know that like a sexual number doesn't define someone and that women have just as a right to be sexual beings as men do. And even with all of this teaching I still have sexual shame. I still have this. And I'm like, just, you know, it starts in the home. But when you go outside, you're subjected to subliminal messages through the media, through pop culture, through movies, through TVs. And it sounds so abstract when we talk about it like this, because you can't you can't say it's. It's that object over there that did it. And so it's so interesting to me because it is such an interconnected kind of weave of, of cages, as you say, you know, of things that we don't even realize are happening and shaping the way we view the world.
2: Yeah, I'd agree. I also had a similarly progressive liberal mom who talked to me about sex early on. And even then, like you mentioned, I grew up in this pop culture, m- mainstream Western pop culture where I was digesting music and films as a little girl um, that set out the sort of invisible rules of, like, this is how a woman should be, and this is how a woman should act in a relationship. Mm -hmm. You know, the example I give is a a really formative movie I watched when I was 15 called A Walk to Remember with Mandy Moore. (laughs) Yes. And what was funny about that movie is – You know, I I vividly remember watching the movie, having a a huge emotional response. I was crying uh, because, you know, she falls in love. She's a good girl. She falls in love with the bad boy, but she has leukemia and she's about to die. And but she saves him. Right. Uh, Myth of sacrifice there. Uh, and I remember just thinking, I'm that, I'm Mandy Moore, you know, and I need to find a guy like that. And and I did. I did in college, but guess what happened? I got really burned. <laughs> and I had to spend a lot of years healing, unpacking and unpacking that relationship. So um I think a lot of these messages seem like, oh, that's not a big deal, it's just a movie, but they, they get into our psyches and they direct our decisions uh and that affect us for the rest can affect us for the rest of our lives
1: yeah or even i fall into the um the good girl myth that i need to be saved so Mm -hmm. like which is very prominent in disney movies from a very young age that the prince charming comes and the man's strong and has his life together and can show you the way and Mm -hmm. and that's how i've sort of you know which my husband will listen to this, I feel like I've given him that role unfairly and which has also caused a whole lot of emotional, you know, situation in his mind. But it's just interesting to see there's different archetypes that we subconsciously follow.
2: Yeah. I just watched Hamilton and it was, um, have you guys seen it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I was surprised when I saw the the helpless song. The song that... um Oh helpless. Yeah. And it was so catchy that like I kept singing it to myself. I was like, helpless. And I kept saying, Helpless, I'm so helpless and I was saying that. My husband was like, What are you saying? <laughs> Wait. Wait. And then I like stopped and I reflected and I was like, even then I was like, Wow. <laughs> you know, cause it's like this cool thing that I, you know, well, Hamilton has a bunch of stuff that's going on with it, but you know what I mean? I was mm-hmm. like, it just, it gets into your, especially music. It'll just, it'll get in there. Oh,
0: absolutely. And I, uh, Scout, you brought up, you know, your husband uh, unwillingly taking on that role because you've kind of projected it into him. But I, I really, I really like um, that your book and what you've said is, This is not just about women, right? We're doing a disservice to men as well. And they Mm -hmm. are expected to be aggressive, to be macho, to uh, exert dominance. And some men or most men do, do not have that nature within them, but they are conditioned to do so. So I think regardless of if this book is called The Good Girl Myth, it's something that, um that men can also extract really, really great values and insights into.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. I've had men read the book and interview me and say, like, this also in, in a lot of ways applies to me. Though they realize that the patriarchy is affecting them in different ways, right? Mm-hmm. Um, still, I, I, do, I have seen patterns where the myth of logic, for example, um, There have been quite a few men who say, oh, yeah, I have that or have had to break that to really like come to become more integrated. Um, So that's one that that really resonates. Uh, But even rules and perfection, like definitely think men can um, have those tendencies as well. I think with the patriarchy, you know, it's interesting. It's uh, so connected to. in order for it to continue and in order for it to have lasted for thousands of years the way it has, it thrived off war mentality and military, you know, military regimes. And so one of the things that you need for a war culture is for men to be disconnected from their feelings and hearts because that's how they get to go out and um, pillage and kill and, and, um, conquer other people's particularly women and girls and so the patriarchy is very very closely connected to uh dominance on a macro level that we see with the military and the desire to like conquer I uh, I have to be so honest when I was
1: reading the first two chapters I was triggered when you use the pa- when you use the word patriarchy mm-hmm. I was like Maho's pissed Maho's being an angry feminist like all of these <laughs> all of these things right. came in my mind you know what I mean because usually when someone says patriarchy it's like fuck the patriarchy and I'm gonna burn mm-hmm. it down and there's such a specific image, like I'm going to burn my bra. Like, I mean, I Mm -hmm. consider myself a feminist, but it was so bold of you to use that word, understanding it has connotations and then break it down in a way that we can understand it. I've always just called the patriarchy society or or the culture I live in. Right. And so to really give it a name like that, I think actually helps define it and paint a picture of it more. Um, -hmm. I want, but I thought we were totally going to talk about perfectionism but now I want to talk about 10 other things. Um, <laughs> let's say a woman is a woman's listening to this because you know like 99% of our listeners are women and they they're intr- they're kind of being like, what do you mean block what's a block and and what, what what's the patriarchy and what are these things like how what's kind of the first step other than reading your book and maybe once they've read their book, what's kind of the first step? to take a look inward because a lot of the times when i do self-development work and i try to tell my friend for example like you have to step into your power she's like what does that mean like what what's the steps i take to that so what would you encourage someone who wants to walk down this path to unlearning what they've learned in girlhood and to then flourish and decide who they are in their own mind
2: i think one really easy accessible place to start um, is somewhere I start. I, when I do my interviews on the heroin podcast, I ask women, What were you like as a little girl? It's the first question I ask. And I try to invite even clients with this question to imagine a time before like extreme socialization, before all the rules landed on their head about where they could color, where they couldn't color, where they could go to the bathroom, where they couldn't, where they could eat. You know, try to imagine that really free, wild, young state and when you go back to that you realize there's something that feels true to you like there were certain things that you were drawn to and then you can ask that same woman like how did how has it changed right like what happened and usually there's been a process of stress trauma socialization learning you know that covers up that kind of kernel of authenticity that was there when we were really young. So I think for that, I think that's an approachable entry point for a lot of women. It's like, okay, can you go back to that place when you were really young? What did that feel like and what happened? You know, and I think for a lot of us, you know, maybe some of us have done therapy, some of us haven't. Some of us like looking into our past, some of us don't. I think it's so crucial for us to look at year zero to like 18, basically. (laughs) Because so much happened to us during those critical years that affect who we are today and how we lead. And so we can't just pretend like it never happened and not look there. So I think it's really starting to look into the past and um, going back to those clues from childhood. Yeah, I
1: completely agree. Answer the question. Who were you in childhood? What were you like as a little girl? Oh, what do you like? I I want to see how you
0: see yourself. Yeah. I mean, what I was going to say is that as a young child, I was very, um, rambunctious, naked. No, well I would run around naked. That is very, that is true. Um, no, I was, I, I did theater growing up, uh, which was a way to, uh, which developed me into this very expressive and loud personality. I've always been extremely outgoing and positive and happy. Um, and that That wildness of me, I can see fluctuate throughout my life when I think back to kind of like that authentic place when I was very young. And I see it coming back actually a lot more now these days. Ever since this podcast, I actually think more of that spirit has come through. And I see it uh, dimming. I saw it dim in college and Mm, um, mm -hmm. end of high school to uh, maybe a maybe a couple years after college, and I can notice the energy levels and the um, authenticity. It's true. This like very you know because I, you know, I never I sort of fell into the myth of um, the nine to five and the you know proper job and the the logical step and the logical and the A's of action. all the A's. A pluses and four point GPA. I was a very, very dedicated student and um, highly like scholastic. And I loved, I loved school. And I still do. I don't think that was necessarily a myth that I fell into. But um, you would have
1: a panic attack if you got a B.
0: Oh. Yeah, you were crazy.
1: You made you made finals week was hell in the house because you were so insane. Yeah,
0: okay. Well, I don't remember that. <laughs> I guess we repressed something. But I guess what I'm trying to say is um, I really like that you honored that people are going to fluctuate between these types of um, these types of spirits, I think, and mm-hmm. I think that's also where the myth of harmony came in. When when you explain the myth of harmony, that is like me to a T, because uh, I'm very much myth of perfectionism, but or perfection, but myth of harmony, and what I've learned through therapy is when I was growing up, I was the happy one you know, Mm. Scout has bipolar disorder. I was the happy sister. I was the positive one. Everyone always said to me, when I come in a room, it's like, they know I'm there, you know? And I internalized that. And I, it made me feel like, oh, I can't have negative emotions or negative net quote unquote, negative emotions are the devil. And I should get away from them and that Mm. everything has to be homeostasis. Everything has to be good. It has to be balanced. And like, I don't like confrontation. I don't like having hard conversations. It freaks me the fuck out. Like, I don't want anything to be off balance. And Mm. that was because when I was young, I Mm. was viewed as this like happy, fun, cheerful girl. So it's interesting because you ask, you know, what were you back then? And like, let's try to channel that. But sometimes, I mean, obviously, like some, some of those, personality traits were harmful now if that makes sense
2: Hmm. does mm-hmm. that make sense
0: yeah. but no but some of them are are really powerful but then I think some of them the always be happy always be positive that I think didn't didn't uh, age well as they say
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah and I would say there's something there around like parsing out there's that that always be positive and happy but then there's the you you've had a gift of using your voice since you were very young Mm -hmm. you know that's something that comes naturally to you your voice your throat is really open you're like expressive and that's a gift that you have Mm -hmm. you know and that that what's interesting about the myth of harmony is one of the things that women need to reclaim for themselves when they break that myth is their voice right? And so it's like certain aspects. What I'm saying is there's a certain aspect of your voice that still wants expression, Mm -hmm. right? And it's the ability to really speak your truth. Like how are you really feeling about a situation and being able to say that and bear whatever consequences come at you and whatever backlash might come at you from that, right?
0: Yeah. A lot of it has been sugarcoating for me.
2: A lot of
0: how do they say, what do they say, like rose tint glasses, like very always wanting to put some sort of positivity and get back to like that happy balance. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think I've I've learned the hard way that that doesn't really exist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have to accept all of the human emotion and we have to accept all challenges rather than fight them. Um, so that's something I'm definitely – Definitely working on, but Scout. What about my childhood? You, you
1: yeah, Maho, Maho. You just like um, I just had a like a I don't know what the word is realization about myself, which is 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 sad, but it's okay. Um, I've known this about myself my whole life, but for some reason, when you asked who was that little girl, and I and I'll get real real raw and, and a little woo woo. Sorry, Mads. Um, when I was four years old, one of my earliest memories is that. I had a reoccurring dream that I was raped at four Mm. and Mm. it happened so often that I, that's one of my earliest memories of life. Mm. And I went to an energy healer and she said that a man, if you know, whatever you want to believe, but a male spirit who was not allowed onto earth had joined my soul. So he could be here in some capacity at Mm. the age of four. Mm. And I remember one of my other first memories was extreme anxiety. And I um, I wouldn't go to school. My, I fought my mom to get into carpool. I wanted to be alone. I never wanted to go to camp. My mom would be like, if you don't go to camp, you have to stay in your room all day and never come out. And I was like, that's heaven. Like, I didn't want to talk to anybody. And I was quiet. And I read a lot. And I wrote a lot. So I wanted to, like, retract and just
0: mm-hmm. be
1: this and, and, and hold a shield up and now that I think of it, I I don't really think I had it. I think I was robbed of that like joyful confident creative time that kids have mm. but that I'm totally reclaiming it now and finding it because I've, I've been doing a lot of work and it's been so beautiful but and it's always been a source of shame for me because nothing actually happened to me right like I wasn't sexually abused. I asked my parents. And so it's always been this metaphorical, weird, imaginary thing, which has been most of my life with my disorder. But so that is very interesting, and I probably need to do some inner child healing.
2: Mm-hmm. Wow, thank you for sharing that. It's like when I hear you share that, I'm imagining a very sensitive young girl with access to a different world. So it was very connected to spirit world mm-hmm. someone who has vivid dreams someone who with it with when you said also that you tend to go internal I was like that makes sense because you're obviously so creative you know yeah so, so I'm seeing that, that 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 even if that little girl even though it manifested in a way that was really painful I'm seeing a lot of like artistry and ability to like access different dimensions That is woo, but that's probably part of what you're reclaiming, I imagine.
1: Yeah, yeah. I knew we were probably going to get into a therapy session for a second. (laughs) Can you tell us, just because, just in case our listeners aren't familiar, you know, or haven't read the
2: book, can you tell us what you were like as a child? Sure. I was very creative. I was, I loved music, dance. Um, I was very imaginative I used to talk to plants and flowers and butterflies and uh, I was just kind of I was very dreamy Mm. and with time I you know felt the pressure of like oh my god my parents sacrificed so much to come to this country like I've got to do really well in school and so I became very academic and like uh, like excelled in these very classical subjects like, you know, math and science and writing and rhetoric. And and I feel like that covered up or disconnected me from the more dreamy parts. Um, and so I'm always toggling between these two sides. And even now with my work, it's like as a coach, I'm like extremely practical and I'll help you go from A to B, but I'm also very creative and connect to women who have access to that that dreamier side of themselves Mm -hmm. yeah I I, I think I mean you kind of touched on
0: really two personality traits that I hold and what I've discovered through therapy is I tend to be like polar on two polar ends like one side of me is very strict very disciplined that's the perfection side of me very intense burnout Uh, never good enough, like very uh, just structured. But then there's this side of me that is fun, that kind of wants to let loose and that, I mean, look at me on this podcast, I'm like fucking nuts and I love silliness and I love, you know, joy. But then I'm like... Oh no! For the podcast, we need to be so structured. We need to have an outline. I need to have prepared this much. I'm and I, you know, I'm a kind of person. I wake up, I work out, I have a thing. It's like so interesting that I am these this way because I am so. No one would ever know that I am this kind of what.
1: Aren't you a Gemini? No, I'm a Cancer. You should be. You're a Gemini somewhere. You have two
0: personalities. I have. I have personality disorder. There's something. There. It's it's true. But I think what
2: (laughs) and. I don't think you have personality disorder. I want to interrupt you there. I think you have, I think by the time a woman is an adult, if she doesn't have a range of selves inside of her, I'm concerned.
0: Yeah. It's beautiful. Of course. Everyone has a range of, and that's the thing is I've always felt shame around both of these sides because If I'm on the strict side, I'm like, wait, Maddie, like, why are you not being your authentic, fun, silly self? And then when I'm on the silly side, I'm like, wait, you're not like logical and be in a sophisticated. You're not an accountant. So no one will take you seriously. It's this shame that percolates Mm -hmm. on both Mm -hmm. sides. So instead of, you know, I always thought it was like, "Okay, so let's like lessen both of this, the polar sides. But it's no, it's not really that it's integrating them Mm -hmm. and accepting. That's a huge. I mean, talk about Mm -hmm. 2020, my word of the fucking year acceptance. Like I am really, I struggle a lot with acceptance and truly Mm -hmm. like saying, okay, this is, this is am I'm like, I, this is it. So like, Mm -hmm. I need to accept it. And so I think the integration of that is really key and and to, to
2: have those selves and be okay with that. I relate to you so much. You know, I think we have so many contradictions within us. I had someone once tell me, I don't know if you guys resonate with the discourse around feminine and masculine sides that that some you hear in some spiritual circles, but someone told me, your masculine is very masculine, your feminine is very feminine. It's like they're at polar opposites <laughs> and extremes. And at first I was like, oh, I kind of felt bad about myself like, oh, that's like that means I'm like haywire or something or it's too polar. But then I realized what if the gift is being able to toggle between these ways of being because you get to choose, right? Like even with the whole book, it's like the whole thing I'm arguing is we get to choose how to be, right? We get more range and more freedom with how we want to be in a given moment so if you have access to both sides to you if you have access to that disciplined side and you have access to that happy side if you have equal access to both in a given moment that's a lot of power wait you
1: just brought that up I want I feel like this is such a perfect segue into something you wrote in the book that was so amazing and it, it, it incorporates it incorporates acceptance and all that Mindful chaos and being very intentional with choosing, okay, I'm going to do this and it's going to be chaotic, but I'm mindfully choosing to step into it. Can you talk a little bit about that idea and how it can relate to perfectionism or just life in general?
2: Yeah, I think those of us who have the myth of perfection, which is many of us, we're so, we put so much pressure on ourselves to do everything particularly everything at once so we have trouble often with sequencing um, and so what happens is you know uh, when it's time to do a trade-off we don't like it <laughs> we're like oh this year I want to have like really fulfilling friendships I want to like connect with my family I want to kick ass at work and I want to be a sexual being and I want it's like it's only you only got one year lady <laughs> so like Choose one or two life areas that you really want to focus on this year. And tell yourself, I'm consciously choosing these areas, which means these other areas aren't going to get as much love, which means I'm going to purposely fail at these other areas. Fail, not really, but I'm purposely going to put them in on the back burner. So I'm going to feel like I'm failing at them. But it's a conscious choice I've made, right? It's, I'm mindfully choosing to do that. Um, And I think that's been really powerful for me. Like this year, like writing a book is such a huge sacrifice. You have to be willing to sacrifice. Well, first of all, just the amount of time energy that you put into it is enormous that you really, your friendships really do slide away. You know, your husband or partner is really picking up a lot of slack for you. (laughs) Like there's a lot of things that have to happen. And then, you you know, I can't beat myself up and feel guilty because I'm all these other areas, right? I have to be like, no, oh yeah, past Maho chose to write a book, <laughs> and so she knew this was going to happen, that these trade-offs were going to be made, right? It's so hard to to get through
0: trade-offs. That when when I took the the survey for which myth I kind of resonate with the most, that one was just. I was like, yep, that that's it. That's me. Like, it is so hard for me to trade off aspects of my life. And I think that really plays into perfection and wanting to seem like you can do it all. And again, with the illusion that you're not, you know, breaking a sweat, which is so, such a womanly and a feminine, or what, you know, what society has deemed a feminine trait is this whole how does she do it? How does she do it all? Like they're a mom. It's like you become a mom, but you're expected to work. But if you don't work, then you're shamed because you're a housewife. It's like there. It is impossible to mm-hmm. meet these expectations, and it's really unfair. It's really unfair, and I and I I really admire that you. Admitted to, you know, sometimes judging housewives and being like, whoa, 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 like let me let me understand why I'm judging them right now. Oh, right, it's because I I have the patriarchy inside me, and that is what I'm supposed to think as also a feminist and as this. And it's just it's so fascinating that we that we still have this shame, and I think it's I think that's what it is. It's catching it. It's really under like admitting it and then and then catching yourself in the moment when it happens.
2: Yeah. And I would say the main way people have asked me, like, how do you catch when you're in the myth of perfection? I think the main way is if you have any feelings of failure, <laughs> if you're starting to see the creeping feelings of failure or guilt because you feel like you're underperforming in a life area or you're underperforming for some, in one of your roles, your life roles, that's probably the myth of perfection. <laughs> you know, that's really that's when the awareness and then you get to say, oh, and another, another one is comparison. If you're comparing yourself to other people and their situations are in completely different circumstances than you, they have completely different resources and sets of skills, they've decided to prioritize completely different things than you have this year, and yet you compare yourself to them and you compare your performance to them, that is a uh, battle you will lose, honey, again and again. Yeah, I mean, social, ma- social media has magnified
0: that too. A degree that I think is just, we can't take. Like, we just cannot even internalize the amount of comparison that happens. Uh, On just a simple Instagram scroll, you you can fall into the trap for one minute. You can fall into a very destructive and toxic trap of comparison which hello I have Um,
1: (laughs) I do it every day this is where I get confused with perfectionism and if I'm a perfectionist because Maho you told me actually when we were working together you said I'll bet you're a perfectionist in an email one time and I was like yep I'm a Virgo and I've been told that but like for example the things that resonated with me in the chapter were that I used to and and I'm really unlearning this attach my worth to my work Mm-hmm. So that was so intrinsically tied for me, 100%, like beyond. Um, also, comparison is not really an issue for me. I don't, I, Mads can tell you, I don't really compare myself to, I mean, it's natural to do so, but it's not like I would say something I would need to super prioritize working on. And then the other one is that I feel as if I, I have to be doing a lot, but I'm not so, like when Mads and I do something for OK Sis, I I don't care. Put the fucking graphic out there. I don't give a shit if the font's not right or perfect or whatever. I'd rather put it out there and in two weeks we'll adjust it based off this and we'll grow and it'll be better. I start companies like that. I don't overthink things. I don't overthink emails. I don't overthink. I don't overthink a lot. I really don't. So in like the the day-to-day small tasks, I'm really good at letting go. And then in the like my worth is tied to my business and my my um, things I have going on is where I stand. And so sometimes it's hard for me to completely identify as a perfectionist because I think perfectionism is often mislabeled as you won't submit your art poster because you're still finding the best font, you know?
2: Yeah, I'm really glad you brought this up. Oh, wait, uh, wait,
1: before you talk, one more. And I'm not afraid of failure, really. Like, not yeah, so no, much.
2: I totally get it. You're not afraid of making mistakes, which is, which yeah. is great, or taking risks. Okay, so... Originally, when I had the five good girl, I'll tell you, I'll let you in on a little secret, ladies. <laughs> okay, so <it's> exclusive. <laughs> okay, so it's exclusive. There were actually six myths. Ooh. And perfection broke into two. Mm. And I put them together. Why? Because there are two flavors of a perfectionist. One is the woman who needs to work on her creative confidence, which is, you know, allowing yourself to make mistakes, take risks, put an idea into action. Not your problem, Scout, clearly. But then there's the second flavor of the perfectionist, which is mostly my flavor as well, which is the achiever track, which is why I had a whole section in the book called Good Girl Achiever, which is like, okay, we are really, because of whatever messages we got, because we're in this system of capitalism, we've tied our worth to our work, and we're obsessed with productivity, and we don't feel good about ourselves if we're not, like, uh, at capacity, or producing, or doing. So um, that is definitely a flavor of. So what bring what what do they have in common? It's about not being enough. One is about not feeling like you're smart enough, right, or that you can have capable enough, which is the creative confidence issue. The other is feeling like you're not doing enough. Mm. So they both are kind of working from a deficit place. And they both have to do with performance, but they're just slightly different angles and flavors.
0: Yeah. Productivity is something that I've been thinking a lot about. And um, yeah, tying it to self-worth. And if I'm not operating at my maximum capacity, then I'm failing. And Mm -hmm. that has taken me a long time. And I'm still unlearning that. That, you know, one day if I'm not, if I took like you know, a nap. Well, I don't nap. Scout naps in the middle of the day, but I can't do that. But if, you know, if I'm, if I'm on TikTok, there we go. There we go. If I'm on TikTok for like an hour in the middle of the day, I will shame myself, even though, you know what? Like I wasn't focused. This is something that I just, you know, turned off my brain for a little and then got back to work. So it, there is a lot of shame, I think, Associated with productivity and the expectations that also women um, are have it, have to experience and adhere by, and it is really we have really badly like tied it to our capabilities and our worth and, and what we stand for and our purpose. It's like, oh, my God, you weren't so productive this week. Oh, then you're like, you're lazy. You're not mm-hmm. a productive person of society. That is something I've really struggled with.
2: Yeah, and I think it doesn't surprise me, given what you shared about your background being a theater kid, also being very academic, you know, you probably had a decade or pretty long stretch of your life where you had to perform. And have a high degree of output again and again and again and you were rewarded for that and the whole system rewarded you for that not only that you had this whole college industrial complex which is like not only do you have to perform you have to get into a really good college right <laughs> and so everything is feeding that um and so what you're talking about is unwinding something that was very present in your formative years me too I mean I'm with you I'm daughter of immigrants like freaking worked my ass off in school so I could get to go to a good college and get a good job you know and so um this is the deconditioning work that we have to do uh which is why I offer you know access to meditations but also mantras you could do to really support you when you're gripped by that desire to achieve that even often subconscious self-shaming or achievement orientation i want to i want to highlight
0: something you said about rewards which is something i've been thinking about a lot lately is our whole life in the structure of education the structure of school is based on rewards you do this you get the a you have you put this this amount of output and and uh productivity you get this result and i i excelled in that and i succeeded in that system and then you get out of college. <laughs> yeah, it's like I was like the opposite. And I you get out of college and there is none of that structure. And I was very very lost for a few years after college. I mean, it's only it's been 4 years, but like maybe the first 3. I was very lost and disoriented. I couldn't see where the reward system was because there really isn't a clear one. Um I wasn't sure if I was doing well or what what was the barometer of success? And, you know, what I've begun to realize is it is extremely internal and it is something that you have to define on your own terms. But, you know, coming, if you, if we grew up and it's, you know, not, not our fault, it's some, it's a system we were placed in. We grew up believing that this was the system that that is success you get rewarded and then it's taken from us it's, it's so, so funny because you crazy. and I grew
1: up in the same house in the same society you would think we'd be somewhat alike I'm not a myth of rules I say fuck every rule possible I didn't graduate college I went to five colleges I went to city college when all my friends were going to like you know really high end I never cared about my grades and I never worked a, a real job like I've always made my own careers. And so it's just so fascinating to me, right, that we could have similar tracks and come from similar family values, yet be so opposite on that track when it comes to good girl myths.
2: Yeah. And Scott, would you say that you then don't so much identify with the good girl archetype? Yeah. When I was reading it, I,
1: I was saying I, I don't Yeah, I'm really happy you asked me that. I I I thought I was like wow that's so true that's so true that because every all this stuff applies to everybody right yeah but I've never been a good girl the only when the only place I've been a good girl in my life is I don't want people to be mad at me I don't mm. want to hurt their feelings mm-hmm. other than that. I don't care if you don't like that I didn't graduate college. I don't care that you, you think I'm this or that or you don't like the way I'm doing it. I don't care if you, don't, if you think this isn't my calling. I feel it, so I'm going to do it. I've always been that way. I, you know, got an 80 in physics because I said I'll never use physics in my life, but, like, let's just please someone real quick and you just get the minimum 80 and not the C. I got the C um and you know I would you know ditch school for mental health days and go write poetry at a coffee shop be like whatever I'm never going to use statistics in my life you know but so I I've never really fit in in that sense mm-hmm. and never felt like I was a good girl
2: yeah and I think for your listeners who like relate to you and are like yeah like early on I couldn't even fit into the system so I was just like fuck that anyways you know um even if you don't off the bat, identify with the good girl archetype, you're still going to find the good girl myths relatable, yes. Yes. right? Which has been interesting to talk to women who are like, I don't, I, I don't know if this book's for me because I don't know if I've been a good girl, but I'm like, go through the myths, and mm-hmm. then you'll see how the patriarchy is still inside of you. Because oh, even, when, yeah, even when you're trying to react to something, right, it still has power over you. It's like all the girls who like couldn't quite, sit at a desk and, like, study normally or, like, be prototypically good, right, had a phase of, like, backlashing and maybe trying to be cool or maybe trying to be something else, right, and that developed another host of problems. But if you're reacting to something, it's still uh, dangerous or it still has its grip on you, yes. right? So I think it's just different flavors of looking at it. Um and, you know, it, whether we assimilate or we lash out, <laughs> we still have work to do on deconditioning these core things. And what's interesting when you said the, the hurt not hurting each other's feelings, so what I'm seeing in you is you got a little perfection. You got perfection, you got some yes. harmony, and you got some sacrifice. Yes. But you don't have rules and logic. Mm-mm. Whereas Maddie's pretty high on rules, but she's broken that. It sounds like um, going back to rules, the – you know, the rewards and carrots we get. So for those of us who did mold into like a super prototypical good girl archetype, we fell for the rewards, right? The rewards worked on us. And what I think it's so important that women realize that every rule, whether it's invisible or visible, gives you a benefit, right? There's a cost of following it, but there's a benefit, right? Like mm. if I follow the rules, I'll gain approval, connection, and even a sense of belongingness, right? If I follow the rules, I'll be in control. I'm gonna a- gain ultimate safety and comfort. If I follow the rules, I'm gonna experience more ease and convenience because it's all mapped out for me. I don't have to do any thinking of my own, right? And there's so many benefits and rewards to following the rules, which is why so many of us do fall for the trap and end up not sharing our true purpose and gifts.
1: Right. Oh my gosh. Okay, I need to take a deep breath.
2: Yeah,
0: (laughs) well, this was (laughs) therapy. I could Uh. talk to you about so
1: many things. I just want to read one quote so people can just get a sense of the things that you talk about when you... So in the Myth of Perfection chapter specifically, and then we'll have everyone know where to find you, you say... The opposite of perfection is vulnerability and intimacy, when we allow ourselves to be seen as we are. The only way to deal with the myth of perfection is is by embracing mistakes while also standing by our own side unconditionally, regardless of performance or production. Overcoming the myth of perfection is about rehumanizing ourselves as women and retrieving our innermost authenticity. Could there be any more important work for
0: us to do? So whew, I'll just leave everybody Re, with that. Rehumanizing ourselves. Oy, yeah, I love get it. Get that tattooed on my body. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> You're not going to get that tattooed.
1: I might. Um, okay. Wait, let's oh. ask the – no, let's ask our last question. Oh, sorry, sorry. We ask this of every, of every woman who comes onto our podcast. If you could brag about one thing that you've done in your life, it could be career-wise, personal development, family-oriented, that you would like to brag about, and don't be humble,
2: what would you brag about? hmm okay if I wasn't being humble yes I would say I'm really proud that I landed a book deal with a top publisher even though I didn't have a huge platform and I did that because I had passion grit and I had this core idea that my agent was behind and ultimately my publisher was behind so I think that felt really rewarding to like oh yeah land that deal was like a real career high for me uh, that just felt juicy Yay. love that Yay. <laughs> love what a good question
0: So yeah man. it's a fun one because people you know you just you have to let your guard down and let go of seeming you know egotistical it's like no fucking own it okay let us know where everyone can find you find the book
2: all Your of podcast, the podcast, you podcast—you mm-hmm. can just promote the shit out of yourself. <laughs> Thanks, Maddie. So <laughs> um, you can go to goodgirlmyth.com for the book, and that's on my website. So from there, you can explore. My podcast is called heroin spelled with an e at the end. Uh, <laughs> otherwise, <laughs> otherwise, it's another podcast. <laughs> it's another podcast, um, and uh, I'm very active on Instagram. I love I love the gram. So, at Maho Molfino, Maho spelled with a J, uh, M-A-J-O. Awesome. amazing. And you,
1: and can, you find can find us, us at, us at, oh. at I Pod. G- I want us to say it together. Oh, we could do it together. One, two, three. Two, three. You could, and oh, you, can, you find can find us, <laughs> us at Ocase's Yeah, you know where to find us, sisters. Okay, love you. <laughs> love you. <laughs> uh, mm.